Today I'm thinking about summer. Hello, freedom. I remember spending hours on my bike riding around the neighborhood. Some years, there were swimming lessons, tennis, or art school, so it wasn't all play, but a good mix of organized activities and unstructured play. For sure, it was a time to slow down and change the pace. When our kids were younger, they never had too much of a structure in the summer. We live in a place where they could spend all day on their bikes or go into the forest or down to the river. They spent all day kicking a soccer ball or throwing baskets. Summer for us means taking it outside. Our back deck becomes our living and dining room. Our barbecue becomes our kitchen and the breeze blowing through the trees gives us dinnertime music. No matter what your summers were or are like, I hope that they mean a change of pace. I hope that they mean that you can look at the world from behind your bicycle's handlebars and not behind your desk. That you can process the world by sitting under a tree with a good book. So, here's to a change of pace and to slowing down. Here's to summer. I'm Deacon Pedro and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And we are back, Billy, for one more episode before a summer break. You have big plans for the summer? You know, the big plan is to uh, meet all my friends that I miss. That you haven't been seeing in the last 15 months. (laughs) And you're hoping to go visit your parents in Montreal. Yes, yes, exactly. Montreal is opened. A lot of things has been opened. So thanks God. Uh, and uh, the, the numbers, the infection number has been very low right now. Yes, very good. And are you looking forward to the Montreal Canadiens winning the Stanley Cup? <laughs> you know, I am the only one that you cheer <laughs> for them in, within my friends in Toronto. Basically, oh, you know, no. you know, really? on, on all the chat group, I said, you know, go Habs, go. Nobody willing to answer me, even response. That's funny you because know, I think that most people in Canada, doesn't matter what team you cheer for when they are playing, when yeah. there's only one Canadian team left, we should all <laughs> cheer for the Canadian team. But you know what? Think about that. You know, now I actually really understand the opposite of love is not hatred, is ignorance. Okay, Ignorance. So- <laughs> yes, yes. It, sorry, ignoring, not ignorance. Yes, yeah, yes. Ignoring, the opposite yeah. of, of love is just ignoring. Cancel. Cancel you. They're canceling you, Billy. Exactly. Culture. Anyway, it's I wanted not to. Even angry emoticon. No, I'm I'm sad. No, it's not even nothing. Not even an emoticon. Not not an emoji. Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Not even the hand. Um, Billy, I wanted to remind our uh, listeners about Salt and Light Plus, oh, uh, yeah. because we have to continue reminding our listeners, especially those who are outside our broadcast area. If you're in the United States or in Canada, you might be outside our broadcast area. You now have access to all. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Billy, right? So it's all our programs. Yes. All our documentaries that we produced over the last 18 years. With a very, very reasonable fee. Very reasonable fee. uh, It's like like a coffee. It's like a coffee a month. A coffee a month and you can watch. But I would say that more than just having access to, let's say, all our documentaries, which, by the way, are excellent. A lot of them I produced myself. Um, (laughs) You are excellent. Excellent. No, but they have access to our our channel, our live streams. You can actually watch 
24 seven, seven yeah. days a week, 24 hours a, a day, Catholic programming from our station. So, so yeah, turn it on on TV, 24 hours, just play it. You know, exactly. when you are cooking, when you are studying, you can, you can just listen. Yeah, actually. And, and, and we have cooking shows and we have children's shows on, yeah. and we have, uh, you know, uh, liturgies and all kinds of stuff, anything that the Pope is doing. So all that stuff you have access Salt on Light Plus, if they go to our website, slmedia.org, just click on SL Plus, it'll tell you how to register and you have access to all our programs. And so that's online, but also if you have Amazon Fire or if you have and Roku, a Roku yeah. TV, it works on an app. So just look for Salt on Light uh, on your Roku or Salt and Light on your Amazon Fire and you should be able to use the app there. So that's, uh, that's a, 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 I think, Billy, is that, that's a benefit that came out of the pandemic, I think. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Because of a lot of we, we, we see a lot of demand, to be honest, um, you know, during pandemic, especially uh, watching our mass. Uh, broadcasting yeah, mass, a lot. Of I people... must say mass is the number one program that people watch. So mass and the rosary, people love their rosary. Um, yeah. So salt and light slmedia.org. Anyway, Billy, so today Jillian is going to be back for one last what she learned from her kids. Uh, that's going to be in about 10 minutes. And then you have a question that I have a feeling it's a tough question. No, it's, you know, it's tough, but it's very basic. It's for dummies, to be honest. Right. Okay. You know, yeah, I, I, will, I will talk about that. It's, it's a question about the dummies. Okay. It's a basic <laughs> question to hopefully to set us, set us off on our journey for the summer. Exactly. Spiritual journey for the summer. Um, anyway, in our second half an hour, we're going to be speaking about, um, Africa, actually. Oh. Um, and, and it seems like it's a heavy topic, but I think we're going to look at it from a hopeful point of view. Mm -hmm. I mean, we know that not everybody in Africa has access to education, to food security, to employment, um, and not just in Africa, but in so many countries. But a lot of countries in, in, in Africa, a lot of communities are poor. And so there's an a organization called the Canadian Samaritans for Africa. And it's an organization that works with rural women in African countries and, and their mission, they say that is to find where God is present in the lives of the poor and vibrant communities. Now wow. we've had, we've had a, uh, one of our artists that has been on the show many times is Susan Hukong Taylor. And she's a very good friend of mine. Uh, Susan is a very talented Catholic singer, songwriter, worship leader. And Susan is the vice president of this organization, Canadian mm. Samaritans for Africa. So Susan's going to be joining us uh, along with Equi Odozor, who is the president of the organization. And we're going to be talking about their organization, what they do and how we can help these communities in Africa, how we can empower, because they're particularly working with women in these it's, poor communities. It's basically one of the toughest uh, problem. Like, you know, when it you is. are hungry and how can you find hope? This is very tough. Very it, tough. it is. And it's, a, but it's a Catholic principle that we don't just give them help, but that we empower them so that they can, come up with the resources themselves and help themselves, things like microfinance financing and, and those things. So that's going to be an interesting conversation. They're having a virtual fundraising event on July 10th. So we're going to be telling everybody about that and how they can, they can help out. And then at the yeah. end of the show, we're going to be meeting another new Catholic singer-songwriter, Dave Moore. I first heard about Dave Moore on the OCP, Salt and Light TV program, Music and Mission. Uh, we have a collaboration with Oregon Catholic Press. There's a program called Music and Mission where we meet uh -huh. uh, singer-songwriters. And uh, that's when I first heard about Dave Moore. He has a new album, and you're going to love the title of this album, Billy. It's called A Simple Record Made With My Friends For My Friends. 
That's the name of the the, the album. <laughs> it sounds like something from me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's right for Church for Dummies, a simple record made with my friends for my friends. So I'm very happy to have Dave Moore on our show today. And uh, a reminder to everyone, if you cannot listen to the whole show, just be sure to go to our website, slmedia.org, where you can podcast uh, the show. You can also listen to this program as a podcast on your Roku or your Amazon Fire through the app or anywhere you get your podcasts. So let's start with a song. Here's Dave Moore with Arise from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. Make me a channel of your peace where there is hate. Let me love. Let me bring your light and joy to the world for your truth. That was Dave Moore with Arise from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. And we're going to be speaking with Dave Moore in about 45 minutes. So I hope that you can stick around for that. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. It's good to see you. It is good to see you. I would like to make a recording for my friend, Deacon Pedro. <laughs> a recording. Yes. A simple record made, made with my friends for my friends. I love that. Um, uh, yeah. That's Dave and Lauren Moore. Anyway, um, you have some good lessons that you've learned. Summer lessons. Are we already doing summer lessons? We, uh, it's a, it's a lesson that comes at the end of the school year. So sure. Oh. It's a summer lesson. Yes. It's a timely yes. lesson. It's a, it's a year round lesson. Um, I know I've been talking a lot about Jane lately. Um, I think it's just her age. She's five. She's learning things. She's figuring things out. And and she's pretty, pretty honest, pretty blunt. So a lot of good stuff comes out of her mouth. So yet again, life lessons from Jane Cantor. Here it comes. Um, as you know, we finished up our school year and we were doing online learning this last portion of the school year. Um, now, 
Jane is not in school yet. She'll start kindergarten next year. But she was living in a house full of siblings who were doing school on computers that were accessible to her. <laughs> so Clara is in grade one um, and she was working on a computer that was in the kitchen. And Jane was always very interested in what was going on in the classroom. So she would usually sit at Clara's shoulder. It started out, we like try to tuck her in there so she couldn't be seen on the screen. But by the time we ended the school year, she was just full on setting up a desk right behind Clara and the teachers were saying hi to Jane and she was oh, just participating. She was another student in the class. So one of the assignments, one of the projects that Clara and therefore Jane was working on was to make a poster, you drew a picture of yourself, you write your name in a fancy way, and then you write four characteristics, four things that you really like about yourself. So Jane sets upon this project and she's getting me to help her with the spelling and she, she wants to write these characteristics down. She writes down fast, she writes down funny, she writes down loving, and then she says, I, mommy, I can't think of anything else to write. I'm like, oh, well, let's think about some things. I suggested smart, creative, clever, sweet, cute. No, 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 she shot down all my ideas. I'm like, okay, well, what do you think? And she sat there thinking, and then finally she says, mommy, how do you spell realistic? What? <laughs> I'm like, realistic? That's, that's what you want to write? And she just, yes, mommy, that's what I want to write. Okay, so we, I don't know, I just, it, I laughed so hard inside. I didn't want her to see how much I was enjoying this because I didn't right. want her to be embarrassed by it. But I hope her kindergarten teacher appreciates her perspective on life that she's like, yeah, totally realistic. Meanwhile, Clara's writing things down like stylish, beautiful, pretty. <laughs> and Jane's yes. got yes. realistic. Yes. <laughs> but also one of my immediate thoughts was, like oh why don't you try this or why do you write that like I was trying to dissuade her from what she mm -hmm. something that she saw in herself that she thought as a positive quality and I guess because when you think of being realistic it kind of has a negative connotation like when somebody is sharing their lofty ideas with you what's mm -hmm. what do you say to them you're like well let's be realistic about this mm -hmm. or let's get real and so it it's kind of a downer really <laughs> like it serves the role to bring people back down to earth it's a weighty feeling that makes you think practically yeah. so it's not always it's not a glamorous characteristic to have mm -hmm. but still I mean being re realistic it's a very good thing what's the opposite of being real is being fake so yeah. why wouldn't you strive to be realistic so it just kind of got me thinking like what does it mean what does that word mean to me what does realistic mean to me um how can I pursue that that characteristic in my own life how can I be more real um and the thing that I kept coming back to was the chosen series oh, yeah. um that's presently being produced and aired and watched by millions of people around the world mm -hmm. that portrays the life of Jesus and his disciples mm -hmm. and how real that is and what is that doing for me and my family and millions of other people around the world as we watch mm -hmm. it um and it's so real it's so real in how it portrays a life that we can only we've only ever really imagined or seen in pictures but here it is mm -hmm. um brought to life in a, a new and appealing way so for my kids especially it's like thank you chosen producers for this history lesson because it's providing them with this picture of what they wore what they yeah. ate how they lived the jobs they did and it's making that time in history more real to them mm -hmm. it's not just illustrations in a book it's actual here's some 
real live people <laughs> portraying what it was like to live in that time. So it's very real. That's very real, realistic. And it's pro providing this new perspective for my family and I. But then further to that, it's not just how they look, what they are um, doing, how they're dressing. It's also what they're saying. The dialogue I find between the characters is fascinating um, because sometimes when we're reading the gospels, it can get a little bit above us maybe. <laughs> I don't yeah. know if that makes me sound uneducated, but no, it can get, yeah. the text can be overwhelming and yes. you can't necessarily imagine that as a conversation. Right. Um, even when you hear it preached in, in church, it's said in a certain tone that's just not completely casual. It's not how people talk. It's not how you have a conversation. Mm -hmm. But in this show, you hear Jesus speaking with his disciples or his disciples talking among each other. And you realize how the scriptures come across as conversation. Mm -hmm. And inevitably, watching the show does make me want to turn to the, to the actual Bible, to the real Gospels, and to find, okay, well, where did that story come from? And how much of that story was imagined and how much of it is here rooted in this gospel. And I'm always amazed by how much of that, of their dialogue comes straight from scripture. Right. And it, it just blows my mind as I read through. I'm like, that's exactly what they said. That is exactly yeah. how they had that conversation. And so, again, it just brings that realistic, real human quality to the gospels. And it's enhancing our experience of scripture it is amazing <laughs> i'll just join the train of people who are totally promoting this show and just on board with how it's bringing us this new perspective yes. realistic and then further to that it then helps you along in that imagining of where you would be mm. and i know it's kind of a funny concept when you're trying to think of you know how does being realistic um or how can I incorporate being realistic more into my life or what is good about being realistic? And then you can, then you, you use imagination as a way of being realistic, right? Like those two things kind of contradict each other, right. imagining and being realistic. Right. But I find that, you know, that um, Ignatian concept of mm -hmm. um, all, the holy imagining, like imagine yourself in the gospels is more possible now because what we have seen in the in the chosen what we've seen in the series it gives us that yes again that perspective for who they were how they dressed what they wore how they spoke and now you can allow yourself to say well where would i be in that situation and i used to do that kind of did that mostly with um the passion story when it would come time um the yeah. good friday you kind of put yourself in that in that in the gospel readings there and you're like well where would i be and i was always a bit player like I was in the background <laughs> mm -hmm. just a part of the crowd but now with this th I don't know I, I find myself more willing to put myself in the foreground and to look at Jesus and to have conversations with him mm -hmm. um, and so that imagination is allowing me to become more realistic in my relationship with God and again those two, two things seem contradictory but it's an interesting experience and an interesting practice to imagine life then and where you fit into it. And then how does that affect your real relationship with our living God here and now today? So right. I encourage you to get realistic. Let's be real <laughs> to follow Jane's example and to take pride in that. What seems like a very simple characteristic but what really, how it can enhance um, just that experience you have with Jesus. Yes, to be realistic with yourself as you 
build up on that relationship that you have with God. I love that. Thank you, Jane, for that lesson. I want to <laughs> congratulate Jane's parents for the fact that she even knows that the word realistic exists. <laughs> Um, I'm wanna... thinking next season you should just speak directly to Jane. Okay, well, just we can do get that. rid of the middleman. And yeah, I, the program we'll is now. Let's okay. talk to Jane. Let's ask our listeners to write in and say, do you want to hear straight from Jane? <laughs> um, Jillian, thank you so much for all your lessons this year. Um, have a beautiful summer. And uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll have the producers of The Chosen send you your check for promoting their Awesome. Yeah, great. You can uh, let them know I program. did what I needed to do. All right. um, thank you, Deacon Pedro. I appreciate that this question is being asked of me so often because it really gives me, it makes me sit down and think. I could just let all this stuff that my kids are talking to me about or the things they're saying that I think are might be like funny or cute. I could just let those mm-hmm. slide by. Yeah. But this is giving me the the task, the joyful task of really thinking about what of they say and who they are and, yeah, and how and- they learn. Yeah, it and makes that's me pay a lesson attention. for all parents that they need to pay attention <laughs> and to bring those those moments to to your into your prayer life. Um, yeah, absolutely. So thank you for asking. I'm really grateful. Well, it's good to have you here. Enjoy the summer. God bless you too. Jillian Cantor, always learning something from her kids, even though it's usually Jane. She's the wife <laughs> of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, this is Alvarez, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. You can subscribe and get the show delivered right to your device. And now it's time for Church for Dummies with Billy Chan, who says he's got a simple question, but I don't believe him. <laughs> you know, if you remember correctly, you know, earlier this season we talked about the furniture, like you know how oh, to make yes. a, how to make a prayer corner and what kind of cross, you know, mm-hmm. that we we want to put in the in the prayer corner. Now, you know, the, the, I, I just want to wrap it up uh, with the question on the cross. This is a tough okay. question. Yes, I'm sorry about <laughs> yes, that. A, yeah, uh, okay. yeah, uh, yeah, but but it's a very basic question. Uh, I, uh, I think. We should know it. Yeah. Um, a lot of different uh, people saying that, you know, um, in the old time when the Bible, even before the Bible exists, I mean, mm-hmm. the Bible for Catholic exists, um, the people not using the word cross. Uh, they, 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 the word cross doesn't exist, simply doesn't exist. Okay. So in the old time, they use on a wood or even a stake. So Jesus died on a stake. It was embarrassing because I remember that uh, uh, a priest asked me to, to do a readings and I just check it on my phone and I just check a different version of Bible. Yeah. I said something, oh, Jesus died on a stake. And he said, are you Catholic? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so, so what is it? What okay, is it about? So I'm going to say that first of all, Anybody that says that, you know, some, just because something is not in the Bible doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Mm. That's, that's, that's ridiculous. And just because Jesus didn't say something also doesn't mean that it didn't exist. Now, we know historically, not because of the Bible, but from other historical documents, you know, there are Roman historians like Seneca um, that talk about this uh, form of torture and execution that the Romans used yeah. during this time. 
And the Latin word that the Romans used was crux. Crux. Oh. So yeah. that's where the word cross comes from. Like the, the Romans used it now. Oh, I does think the, that means, the crucifixion is from cross as yes, well? Yes, so crux. So it's called a crucifixion because people mm -hmm. were hung on this cro cross, a crux. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that historians have also determined that there were maybe different kinds. So a, a crux may have been just a, a wooden pole, but there were crosses that were in the shape of a T with a cross piece. Mm. Um, so we know that. Now, I would say that the fact that most... Uh, depictions of Jesus on the cross show him on a, 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 a T shaped cross. Yeah. Probably points to the fact that that's the kind of cross that he was uh, uh, killed on that he, that he was mm -hmm. attached to because th that's the, that's the tradition. So, and the tradition comes from you know, the people who saw him and then they told yep. someone and then the apostle, you know, like they, that, that's how we have the tradition. So I'm going to assume that that's probably correct. Whether, I mean, you look at the Bible and the Bible does use the word cross because Jesus hung on the cross and, and, and Jesus says, carry your cross unless you deny yourself and carry your cross and follow me. Mm. That, that was written in Greek. You'd have to find out what the word in Greek was used, but Jesus didn't speak Greek. He spoke Aramaic. So what word did he use in Greek in mm. Aramaic was probably the word that the Romans used uh, or whatever their translation was of this of this image. Now, um, I think that if you look at the, the actual torture of crucifixion, it's important that your arms are stretched out because the yes. people died by asphyxiation. Hmm. So whether your arms are above your head because you're hanging or your arms are stretched out, that, that increases the torture because you can't breathe. You have to push yourself up with your feet so oh, you can catch a breath. Okay. And then because your feet are nailed, you can't hold yourself up. So then you sink down and your arms are... So that's how And also died. the position of the nail, right? And well, then that's another... another And that there's no... I mean, again, for, for that, whether the nail went through the wrist... Mm -hmm. Is, is more likely because if it went through the hand, the, it would yeah. probably rip the skin and the body mm -hmm. would fall. Although it's likely that even though they were nailed, they were still tied so that the body mm -hmm. would not fall. So all those things are all possible. We don't know for sure. We were not there, but we do have, and I think that the, the, the records uh, come not from scripture, but come from the other documents, other historians, other uh, that are, were Roman um, I think Josephus, which uh, was a Jewish historian, also refers to Roman crucifixion. Um, and the Romans were crucifying hundreds of thousands of people over a, hundreds of years. Like, it was cross. very common, cross. very, mm -hmm. very common. Now, to, to go to, to, I think, the, the important part of your question is that what ultimately doesn't really matter what shape yes. the cross was. Definitely. It, what matters is that Jesus was crucified he was yeah. killed for our sins and we have to embrace that cross if we want to follow Jesus. That's what's I think is difficult about your question. Um, we have to embrace the cross. So basically, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, Jesus died on a cross or on anything. Uh, uh, and uh, he, he died for us. And the most important thing is three days after he, he he's resurrected. So that, this is what we really need to to embrace. That's what you I just use your word embrace, uh, and I think uh, 
yeah, this is, uh, uh, I think all the Catholics should uh, understand that. You know, this is the very basic, again, this is a very basic it, question. It, it's a very difficult thing because it's sacrifice. So every time I give something up, every time I wear my mask, even though I don't want to sit at church for an hour wearing the mask, that is a little crucifixion. We're giving something up. We're sacrificing something so that we can get closer to Christ. So I, I, that's really what it means. How do, what does it mean to embrace the cross? I don't want to embrace the cross. Yeah, but I want to yeah. follow Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ embraced the cross Himself. You so, know, you thank you, Pedro. You know, you gave us something to actually look forward uh, this summer. Like every time, you know, when you go now, you know, you can go to mass right now, right? I mean, yes. you can. There is mass uh, right now, and uh, in this summer, we can all go to mass again and look at the cross and remember that. You exactly. Know. And every time you pray at the beginning of Mass or whenever you pray and you make the sign of the cross, mm. that's the sign of love because that's what the cross symbolizes. It's, 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 it's the love so that we could have life. So happy summer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Pedro. Thank, Thank you, you, everyone, Thank to you, listen Billy. to this show. Yes. Have a good summer, Billy. I'll, I'll see you in the fall. See you in the fall. Take care. Billy Chan, always asking tough questions here on the Salt and Light Hour. You can send him questions and follow him at B. Joe Chan. Coming up in our second half hour, empowering women in Africa, and we meet singer-songwriter Dave Moore, so don't go anywhere. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I don't think it's news to any of you listeners that for many people around the world, food security, access to clean water, education, even work are not available. And many of these people live in African countries. War, ecological disasters, displacement, and frankly, greed mean that these people do not have, and most will never have, the same opportunities that you and I have. The Canadian Samaritans for Africa hopes to turn that around by supporting asset-based women-led grassroots projects in the African continent, promoting self-sufficiency and autonomy. And to tell us more, I am now joined by the president and the vice president of Canadian Samaritans for Africa, Equi Odozor and Susan Hukong-Taylor. Equi, Susan, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. Thank you. Um, Equi, let me let me start with you, Equi, because I think it's clear that what poor communities need is solidarity and collaboration, and and you do this by building upon women-led initiatives that already exist um, through things like microfinancing. Can you explain to us how that works, or or why you've chosen to go this route? Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yes, let me just uh, repeat that Canadian Samaritans for Africa believes that Africa needs solidarity and collaboration and not pity right. yes. or sympathy. Yes. And uh, this is why we invest in the assets of women, because we believe that when you invest in a woman, you actually change the narratives, the negative narratives of a village. It's very interesting. Because and women, women are the ones that really take care of the community. 
Yes. Yeah. Do you think that that's something that's very specific to Africa? Or would you say that that applies to the rest of the world as well? Well, in some ways, it, yeah, I can say it yeah, does. I think the rest you, of the world, yes, women are women. And, you know, being, you know, it never changes. It's very universal. Yes. Uh, what women do. But in Africa, we know that women take in not just their own children, but other people's children. It's yes. Part of the culture. Absolutely. Part of so, the culture. So, so in, in saying that, uh -huh. um, the reason why microfinancing works so well mm -hmm. in that community is, again, it's very culturally based. We know that in uh, most, in some, I would say most African communities, that women have no collaterals. Okay. Right? And it's difficult for women to go into the financial systems okay. and just get along like everyone else. Right. Right? In most communities, you need a man to be able to sign out a loan, and you have to have some assets in right. which, in those cultures, some women are not allowed to mm -hmm. own those things. Mm -hmm. So that makes it challenging for them to be able to get loans to support their career right. or to support what they want to do or even to grow those kind of, uh, you know, uh, economically. Right. So what how it happens is that groups come together and kind of contribute to a pocket, like uh -huh. have their own financial system. Right. In most, it's just women. And in these cases, these women are vulnerable women. They contribute to that. And then from that central pocket, they can now give to whoever needs help. So you can borrow, a member can borrow really from the pocket. I understand. Right? And the people, and then, sorry to interrupt, but the people contributing into the pocket are the women themselves in that particular community? In most cases, the women themselves. Okay, So they I come understand. together and they contribute to the pocket. That's wonderful. And then they're able to borrow. When you want to borrow money from that, you can borrow from that. But the way now CSA works with them is that we, CSA contributes to that pocket, uh -huh. right? As an organization, so allowing them to have access to more money that can get around in helping them either train skill-based or kind of expand their whatever is their trade. In most uh -huh. cases, they are you know, small traders. Uh -huh. And then they can actually have that money to be able to fund you right. know, um, their, 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 their trades. I, I see. It seems like a very simple, uh, simple idea. Susan, um, I can imagine that the last year has been a hard year. Um, although at the same time, I think it has been for some people, they've been able to be more generous. So did you find that last year was a, just a difficult year for fundraising to, to put money into those uh, pockets? Mm -hmm. I think that it, it has, uh, it, there are general way of fundraising, which would mean gathering, which would mean, you know, we've mm -hmm. had galas, we do those right. sorts of things. So all, all of that went by the wayside. We were able to do uh, a beautiful fundraising concert um, mm -hmm. last year, uh, which, which is still up online. You can access that and, and, uh, where we gathered people from all over the world really to participate. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so it was, it was quite a wonderful event. Um, but nevertheless, uh, with respect to that, that our usual ways of fundraising, definitely, uh, we've had to get creative. We've had walkathons, you know, mm -hmm. we've had a t-shirt campaign, we've done different things, but um, 
I think that the pandemic has really put everyone kind of at a distance in a sense, uh, like our, our, our people that would, would be supporting us. Um, and it, it's also been d difficult really to, uh, to reach to our, our projects as well in, um, in Africa. Yeah, I can imagine. You said something very interesting that I had not thought about, but how important it is in the, that in what you're doing when you fundraise, it's not just fundraising, but you're making connections. Equi, why is that so important? To build connections it's very important because that is it you know one thing is just giving money yeah another thing is getting to understand yeah what that yes. money does like it's yes. all about human beings right so sometimes people give money and they don't really realize that you are talking about human beings yes you really want to help but making a connection with those individuals mm -hmm. kind of you know we, we see where we are connected we see how we are we share responsibility for our earth we see how we are you know, almost like the same. Mm -hmm. So coming together provides a platform for us to share the stories. Right. Those human stories, those human connections yeah. happen when we get together. Right. So in some sense, I'm thinking that maybe the fact that you're doing a virtual fundraiser actually makes more sense because people will be able to meet maybe some of those women that are in, in these African countries that would not be able to come to a live event. So Susan, tell us about the, the event on July 10th. So we are very, very excited to, to have this event, which is uh, uh, connecting and moving forward in service. So the idea behind this virtual event is to connect with our, our, with our friends, friends of CSA, but also certainly to uh, welcome in more, more friends of CSA mm -hmm. and to, to share a little bit in the, and, and uh, in this world of Zoom, which we didn't even know anything about. Yes, I know. <laughs> a few yeah, years no. ago, we are able to connect with those people on the ground in Africa. So there's an opportunity to be in conversation, to hear from them directly about what their uh, struggles are, what their hopes are, what their, um, you know, and, and, and things and ways that we can, can help. Um, and it, it's always really but so much more effective when you can talk directly to a person, hear directly from a person. So that's happening on July 10. Uh, at 1 p.m. and and uh, we have that link of an, an Eventbrite link on our website, okay. CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org. Okay, that's great. And people don't have to be Canadian. They don't have to be in Canada. They can just go to CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org, July 10th, 1 p.m. So that's 1 p.m. Eastern time. Yes, um, it is. And that presumably so that the people who are in Africa that are probably six or seven, eight hours ahead can also be there live. This will be great. So it's not just a fundraising event, but also a connecting event. I love that. I love yes. that very much. And we're hoping to have, uh, you know, we'll be featuring some uh, talent from Africa. So you'll be able to be hearing some music from, from musicians and choirs in Africa and, and, and other places as well. Um, and uh, so it should be a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Okay, good. Um, very uh, much looking forward to that. Thank you so much, uh, Equi and Susan, for, for the work that you're doing. Um, it's very meaningful and important. It sounds like a lot of work, but it sounds like it's very rewarding. And uh, for telling us about it today, and I hope that uh, you have a very successful event on July 10th. Thank, Thank you. you. Equi Odozor and Susan Hukong-Taylor are the president and vice president, respectively, for Canadian Samaritans for Africa. You can find out about them, support their work, and find out how you can join the event on July 10th at their website, CanadianSamaritansForAfrica.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Dave Moore, with Restored, from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. 
sacred heart. You are the one that my heart loves. You are the one I adore. You look beyond all my lies and scars and offer your sacred heart. That was Dave Moore with Restored from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. Dave Moore has been in music ministry for over 15 years. He is currently the resident worship leader for the Diocese of Dallas, Office of Youth, Young Adult and Campus Ministries. Together with his wife, Lauren, they started the Catholic Music Initiative in order to support liturgical musicians and provide them with resources They have published a mass, the Mass of Peace, that I'm sure he's going to tell us all about. And so it is with great pleasure that I welcome Dave Moore to the Salt and Light Hour. Dave, welcome to the program. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Deacon. I love the beard. Our listeners can't see the beard. Tell me about the beard. The beard was an outward expression of inward change. Uh, I read the Book of Wisdom in 2012. Okay. And it rocked my world. And I wanted to simplify. And I just let the beard go wild. 
and I got a lot of flack for it. And then about two years later, this amazing TV show Duck Dynasty came on, and then everyone thought oh, I was yeah. super vain in like doing the new trend. And yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't That's great. Like that. So how long is it? Tell our listeners how long it is. Uh, I mean, I'd say I, I definitely got a good, you know. I mean, I think it stops at about 10 inches. I'm wearing it about, it goes about eight inches. Yeah, down. that's great. That's great. Yeah. So I, I know you you uh, do work with uh, Joe Zambone, fellow Canadian. That yeah. Zambone, I don't know, how's his Zambeard doing? Because he had a whole... Uh... So he's trimmed it up. Yeah, you know, he got married our... and got cleaned up. What's up with yeah. that, Joe Zambone? Um... Well, both of our wives make, make it <laughs> mandatory that the stash be trimmed, you know? Right, so, right, exactly. Right. We'll see. That's great. Um, Dave, so you're in Dallas. Did you grow up in Texas? Are you like, tell me a little bit about growing up. Yeah, I grew up in Corpus Christi. Um, and, um, I was a beach kid. My, my parents, uh, traveled around. My dad was a Navy pilot. Okay. Um, I grew up in a leading music at a very diverse church, very diverse church. Um, and, um, yeah, very simple kind of small town feel. But Catholic. I mean, it was a Catholic family. Catholic, yes. Uh, and you were doing, it uh, sounds like you were doing music right from the time you were young. Yeah, I, I think I started picking up the guitar uh, around the age of 11 and, uh, you know, fiddled with, you know, a few hymns, a few yeah. chords, a few rock and roll songs and uh, and got serious probably early high school. Okay. And when did you start thinking, I mean, I'm assuming that maybe you thought you'd, you'd want to do like, secular music i want to be a rock star or something totally yeah yeah totally so when did that change for you that you wanted to do more praise or worship or liturgical music so i was um at the age of 15 my music minister had bolted from playing music at the church Uh and my pastor had asked would you step in and so i was kind of thrown into the fire and there was this this kind of tug on my heart to understand more about liturgy then because oh, I was an altar server, interesting. but I never correlated like music for mass being something that I would ever do, uh-huh, you know, like uh-huh. at least long-term. And, and I was also playing in rock bands and was very much like into the entertainment side of music. Yeah, and it yeah. wasn't until, you know, fast forward, I'm now 18 years old, maybe 19 years old. I'm still playing music for mass and I've kind of, grown in you know the bands that i'm playing with and really have an avenue to kind of pursue there and i got asked to go to the national worship leader conference with a friend of mine i met paul balash who wrote Uh open the eyes of my heart yeah and in a conversation over a good cup of coffee paul was like look man you can't serve two masters like i i think that the lord is calling you to serve his church and that means you got to learn to be invisible and if you do choose the entertainment route, like you, you carry the banner for Jesus wherever you go. We need mm-hmm. people doing that too, but it's very, very hard to do both. And so mm-hmm. you really, you really need to dig deep and be steeped in prayer, and make a decision because the Lord's calling you. And I was like, oh, gee whiz, you know, like, and I, I chose the church and. Good advice. Good advice. So, and at what point did you? Because you spent a lot of 
is it fair for me to say that you've you've spent a lot of your ministry creating resources or or helping form liturgical musicians so when did that kind of passion start you said yeah you know you you love liturgy so when did that this idea of, of formation or helping musicians start yeah i don't i don't know that it was ever really a a thing per se um i i think um i i loved i loved the mass and i loved people and when i made the choice to um to give my life over to the church i, I spent some years um you know, doing gas my love offering tours. And I would, I would meet musicians that would ask questions and, and uh, people who wanted to grow in their own walk in their own journey in their own mission. And mm -hmm. next thing you know, that there's people that are kind of reoccurringly asking questions and right. it just kind of organically kind grew. Of, yeah. Evolved. Yeah. I, I honestly like, it's funny. I, I play a little bit of everything, right? Mm -hmm. When I was a very young kid, I was in a very traditional church. We chanted, it was at Oriente Mass, you know, wow. um, it was very traditional. Uh, I studied a little Latin. I love that world. It yeah. wasn't for me by the time I was 19, I was into praise and worship. Um, loving the church, seeing, you know, kind of that I was probably a little too contemporary for the traditionalists and a little too traditional for the for contemporaries. The, yeah. Yeah. I realized I don't know where I fit in, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I love going to conferences and leading music, but I never came in with this agenda of like, oh, here's my music. And now you're going to learn it. You're going right. to pray with it. Right. It was always from this place of like, I know the Lord I've been with him and now I'm with you and I just want to make sure that I convey this heart for knowing Jesus and wanting to follow him constantly. Yeah. And so instead of like promoting like the next thing we were doing, it became about who's in the room and how do I get them hmm. to connect with this person I'm just madly in love with. Right. right. And so um, I don't know if that makes much no, sense. It does. No, but is that so? So, <laughs> does the Catholic Music Initiative come out of that place? Yes, yeah, that's really where where it was born. Because what what was happening was, um, like, take for example, I first come to Dallas and I'm working at a college campus, and you know, I'm I'm like, there's all these amazing students that want to be involved, and we're not doing the like super old school thing. We're kind of doing a merging of what's ever ancient and ever new. Mm -hmm. And uh, all, I mean, I didn't have music for them and they yeah. felt left out. And it was like, what the heck? I don't know what to what to tell you. But until I have music, I'm not having all you guys play melody and playing in mass with us. Yeah. And so yeah. then I started composing a little bit. Lauren started working on choral stuff. And next thing you know, like, these kids are are now rising to the occasion mm -hmm. they're starting to understand it and they're being like hey i'd like to give a try right in the next trumpet part that's can great. you help me with that yeah that's and 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 then it just kind of continues to expand um the mass of peace was more born out of the fact that you know we had a very diverse parish you know yeah. our our morning mass looked 100 and 10% different than yeah. the evening mass. Yeah. yeah. And so we wanted something that, that worked for of, all of them. And that's great. You've done that. So, it, yeah. and it's clear that, so you went, you went 
into the project thinking we need something that can be used, whether it's organ or choir or scala or guitar. And it, yeah. it does that actually. I think you succeeded. Yeah. 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 It, it's cool. So, so then the idea, just tell our listeners quickly. Um, so the idea is then that if they're interested in, in using that mass, the mass of peace, they can get it at the Catholic music initiative website. I'll give you that website in a second. They can download all the sheet music is there. You said there's trumpet parts. If they have trumpets, there's guitar, there's everything is there English yeah. and Spanish. Yeah. English and Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, worship now is distributing yeah. that you can, you can check things through worship now. Uh, Burden Bear is Lauren and I's publishing. Uh, we we have some resources that um, you can you can look up Burden Bear and and uh, find more more resources as they come out. Uh, we've got Catholic yeah, Music okay. Initiative for updates. Uh, there's kind of a, a span of stuff, but it's all a big collaborative effort to bring that's great. You know, this yeah. to the people in the pews. And I'm assuming that there's there's more to come. So your hope is that you're still be able to produce. Maybe it's more mass settings. I don't know, but certainly more resources for Catholic musicians. So it's Catholic Music Initiative, and and Dave mentioned Lauren. So that's his wife, Lauren. She's also behind yeah. the Catholic Music Initiative. There. It's too bad that we couldn't meet her today, but maybe next time. Dave, yeah. it's been really good meeting you. Um, thank you for what you're doing, and uh, keep up the good work. I, I hope that we can stay in touch. Thank you, Deacon. God bless. You can learn more about Dave Moore at his website, davemoremusic.com. And as I said, the Catholic Music Initiative is catholicmusicinitiative.org. Really simple. If you missed any part of the interview, you can head over to our website, slmedia.org slash podcast. All our programs are archived there. Here now to take us out is Dave Moore with Song of Victory from a simple record made with my friends for my friends. your joy fill our hearts oh, bring us hope Listening to Dave Moore with Song of Victory from A Simple Record Made with My Friends for My Friends. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can listen to all our Salt and Light Hour programs at slmedia.org. Just look for podcasts. 
You can also find the Salt and Light Hour Catholic Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro, and you can email me, pedro at slmedia.org. Next week, we begin airing some of our best interviews of this year, so if you missed any of our shows, this is a great way to catch up. The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Media. This program would not be possible without the help of Sister Marie Paul Curley, Mark Matthews, Daniel Torquia, Jillian Cantor, Jermaine Bagnell, and Billy Chan. The CEO of Salt and Light Media is Father Alan Fogarty. You can learn all about what we do at slmedia.org. Remember to stay safe, continue praying for each other, and take care of each other, and have a wonderful summer. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro. Thank you for being with us this season. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour.